Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times best-selling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. And we are back. Welcome to another episode of Insight Live. I'm here with my partner in crime, Brendan Kay from Master Talk. If you haven't yet checked out his YouTube channel, go to YouTube, hit subscribe, and you can thank me later. So today we have a special treat. We are going to talk about the one and only Chris Doe. And if you're unfamiliar with the work that Chris Doe has done, go check out, first of all, his YouTube channel. He's an Emmy Award winning designer. He's a director for the last 23 years. He's been the CEO and chief strategist for his company, Blind. And he also founded The Future, which is all about teaching and he's got an audacious goal, teaching 1 billion people how to do what they love and make a living doing it. And the beautiful thing about Chris is he's all about helping other people. Brendan and I got a chance to meet him thanks to the power of Clubhouse. I've interviewed him a couple of times, once for my podcast, once on Clubhouse. And Brendan, I know, has had several conversations with him. And he's just a guy that we both really respect and admire and because of that, we want to dissect, decode, and demystify how he's been able to amass a very, very loyal following of superfans. And the reason why I know he's got superfans, aside from the fact that he's got a million plus followers on YouTube and hundreds of thousands of followers on other platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram, I mean, he's probably over a million on Instagram, is because... When he's on Clubhouse, people follow him around. Like literally, you know, you got people joining a room and they join a room and they could have 40, 50,000 followers and maybe 10 people join the room after they join. But when Chris Doe joins a room, it's like an instant 50 to 100 people join the room like that. And that's no accident. It's because the people that like Chris Doe don't just like him, they love him. And so my question to you, Brendan, to kick us off here is why does he have that effect? Why does he build such a loyal legion of super fans? Because I've seen very few people who've done what he's done as successfully as he's done it. It's a great way of kicking this off. You know, I find Christo super fascinating for many reasons. And one of them, to your point, Billy, is the ability for him to cultivate super fans. And I really want people to understand this because even when me and Billy go on Clubhouse together, and we have a combined following of 40,000 now on Clubhouse, there's literally 10 people who show up. 
Whereas when Chris Doe has a room on Clubhouse, even now, after the app has lost traction, there are 300 people in his room. So this tells us that whenever Chris Doe speaks, people want to listen. And more importantly, they prioritize Chris Doe in his sessions over everything else in their life because Clubhouse is live. So where does this fandom come from? Couple of different things. Let's start with the first one. The first one is extreme generosity. And I really want to put emphasis on the word extreme. I honestly think Chris Doe is replying to a lot of the DMs he's getting. I was shocked that he replied to my DM and that he's still replying to my DMs. Makes no sense. <laughs> I don't get it. Not to say I'm a bad person or I'm someone who doesn't deserve it, but the point I really want to drive is Chris Doe, if he's doing it with me, if he's doing it with you, he's doing it with so many other people who will really, not really add that much value in his life besides the good-heartedness that he gets out of it. That's one piece. And we don't see that much at the top. Can you name me another influencer, Billy, that has over a million subscribers on his YouTube channel or her YouTube channel that is taking the time to DM us back? Honestly, no. No one comes to mind immediately. And right. I would like to say it's us, but I know it's not. I know it's him. Yeah, it's not us, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real about this. Let's be, let's be real. I mean, let's, let's get serious here. <laughs> but that's the key, right? It's extreme generosity. But what's super interesting about Christo is that generosity is not just in one branch. It's in multiple spheres. So one of it is the DM, right? You DM mm. in on Instagram, chances are he might actually reply. Number two, it's saying yes to podcasts that he really shouldn't have any business saying yes to. And by that, I mean in his own selfish interest. There's some podcasts he says yes to, and I'd argue a vast majority of them, where with this audience, it doesn't make sense for him to invest the time to be there. It really doesn't. But he still says yes anyways for his community. Number three, his YouTube channel, right? Super successful. And we, we're going to deep dive into that a bit more. But the general idea is he's super generous with the way he shows up on there. There's no sales call. There's no ad. Hey, buy my services on his, on his YouTube channel, like zero. It's just value. He interviews people. It's super fascinating. I've been a fan of his YouTube channel for many, many years, and I haven't even bought anything from the guy yet. And he still mm. shows up. He's still replying to my DMs. He's that great of a guy. Number four, this has been recent, is his activeness, the number of hours he's spending on Clubhouse. I found that to be super interesting. Namely, and we talked about this in previous episodes, we noticed a lot of famous people, a lot of influencers came on Clubhouse very early, the first couple of months that Clubhouse is really hot. And how many of them are left? Almost none of them. Not because those people are bad, but because those people came to the same conclusion we did that, wait a second, we're investing our most important resource into an app that's not yielding us results, which is our time. We could have money, but you can't get the time back. But Chris Doe has a completely different view on this. He says, I need to keep investing time on Clubhouse. And I go, whatever for? Why? You have a mm. million subscribers on your YouTube channel. Why are you doing this? And his response is, I want to help lift up others. I want to create a space where other people can create content. I can uplift them. And this brings me to number five, which is also related to Clubhouse. 
he's the most interactive in terms of the number of questions he's answered. Because he's on Clubhouse so much, he's able to interact with fans at scale two minutes at a time and solve their problems. And let me add a bit more layer because I didn't do that justice. By solve their problems, I literally mean in some cases, Christo is having conversations with people in his audience that aren't paying him a dime. And he's literally going 10, 15 minutes deep dive into their business and telling them everything they're doing wrong. He's literally mm. giving thousands of dollars of advice for free that is legit for absolutely nothing and zero expectation. Those are the five reasons why Chris Doe has a cult following. Mm, love it, man. Well, I'll add on to that. And there's a couple things that stand out and I want to dig in and talk about his YouTube channel because unlike you, I wasn't even aware of his YouTube channel. And I, I told them as much that I, I didn't know him prior to Clubhouse. And it was because of you that you said, hey, this guy is legit. So I started looking him up. I started watching his YouTube videos. And a few things stand out. Well, first and foremost, he is all about value, right? He's all, as you've said, he's all about delivering actionable, valuable insights that people can apply in their lives. And whether that be on Clubhouse or on YouTube or wherever he shows up, people appreciate when you can get to the meat of the matter, right? There is an old commercial that you would never have seen because it's from the 80s. It was called Where's the Beef? And it was for a fast food chain. And the, and the whole idea behind it is where is the substance? Where is the beef in this burger? And so it's a pretty famous commercial. He talks about the beef. He gives you the substance. He gives you the meat instead of a lot of fluff. So that's the first thing. It's concentrated knowledge and insights that could be applied in your life. Number two, to your point partially, but I'll expand upon it. What he's able to do is teach people in a way where it is very digestible and easy for them to understand in a way where they can do what he's sharing immediately. And what I've learned because I've watched his YouTube videos is people really like the whiteboard sessions. They like the live sort of like classroom style sessions where he's giving real time feedback to people in the audience or people that he has in his studio and people connect with that because it makes it relatable. He's able to teach people through teaching other people. In other words, he's teaching someone directly in their personal story and at the same time, he's teaching hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people who are watching him teach someone else, which is a really, really powerful approach. And so when I think of Chris, I think of somebody that is able to really do two things at once, which is impact the people that are in his direct orbit or that he has personal interactions with, and at the same time, impact all of the people who are now part of his community. And that's really cool to watch. The other thing he does, and you just sort of tangentially shared this, is there are a lot of people who don't pay him. And one could argue that he's giving too much away. He's giving everything away. They could make that argument. And if they make that argument, then the reality is some people will be right that they will actually be not able to give to him in a way in which he's going to benefit financially. Obviously going to YouTube and getting more views will help him from a perspective of the YouTube channel growing and everything like that. 
But the reality is they may not be paying him directly for his services. They're not going to be a part of his programs that he offers coaching or being part of the group that he has, which I, I know he charges about $150 a month to be part of the pro group that he offers. And so when I think about the fact that he's able to give so much away for free, that's a really, really powerful insight and a powerful thing that is almost like a philosophical debate. And so with Chris, he's giving so much to his audience and there's really not ulterior motive. He wants to give. The reality is when he started the future, he did not need to start the future. And for those who don't know, the future is really a community that's built around teaching people how to do what they love, mostly creative types, designers and other types of creative people, teaching them how to make a career doing what they love to do while not losing their soul in the process. And that's a really interesting component of what he does because let's face it, it's really easy to make money while losing your soul. I mean, maybe not really easy, but it's, it's, it's easier than doing what you love, especially a creative thing and not losing your soul in the process. And, and he and I had a deep conversation about this on my podcast when I interviewed him. And I would just say that when you think about the fact that Chris is somebody that does not need to do what he's doing. He's doing it because this is the legacy that he's going to leave. When he's no longer here in 50, 100 years or however long that is, his message, what he teaches, how he teaches it will still be here. Uh, the fourth thing, because I'm going to go, I'll go with five things too. The fourth thing that Chris does, probably as good if not better than anybody, is he is incredibly direct. He's even hosted some rooms on Clubhouse where he talks about the fact that most people are not telling the truth. They are giving some sugar-coated version of the truth that is often nowhere near how they actually feel. And part of the reason his advice hits so hits home so well is because he's able to teach people in the most, and I dare I say, authentic way possible. And even if it might sting a little bit, even if it might not be what they are hoping to hear, it's what they need to hear to help them get better. And so I think that's a really, really important part of what's made him so successful. And then the other piece, the last piece that I'll share, and I, I shared five total, Brendan, the last piece is he is able to teach people concepts that may not be his own original idea, but because he's able to extract that knowledge from a variety of sources. And if you've read his book, Pocket Full of Dough, or if you've seen any of his YouTube videos, every idea he shares isn't necessarily his own unique idea. He's not afraid to take what other people have shared, whether it be in books or in podcasts or in videos. He teaches it in a way where the listener, the viewer, wherever the audience is that he's speaking to will get it in a lot better fashion than they may be able to get it reading in a book. And they may not get it at all. Let's face it. We do live in an age where the way in which we consume knowledge is different, different generationally, different individually. Like we all consume knowledge in different ways. And so while some of these concepts may be in a, another source He's able to synthesize that knowledge and share it in a way where 
people will respond to it a lot better than they normally would be. I completely agree. You know, and I think what's super fascinating about Dell is the ability for him to get a big transformation for the people who are listening to the show. So I'll give you an example, right? Let's say somebody is listening to a normal YouTube channel on business tips. Because that content creator isn't super generous with the way that they share ideas to the level Chris is, the transformation that the average viewer gets is not really big. But because Chris shares everything and to your point, creates it in such a way that anyone can listen to it. When you go back to his mission, which is to get a billion people to make a living doing what they love, since the number is so big, he knows that most of those billion can't really afford it. So that leads him into a direction to say, well, in that case, if I can't, if I can't really get a million people to pay for me, I need to make sure that my free content is so good that people get the transformation anyways. And that is how we hear stories. And Chris told me once, he was telling uh, in a clubhouse room, that there was one person in Switzerland who was literally broke, didn't make any money as a designer, and literally just watched a bunch of free The Future videos and was able to make a full-time living doing what he loved. And now that's what he does. He makes a six-figure salary just designing stuff. So as a token of appreciation, he literally bought Christo a bunch of Switzerland chocolates when he met him, and it really made Chris's day. So that's the power of transformation, is can we change people's lives without ever even having to meet them? And I think so. that's what Chris Doe is the golden standard of. Mm, Yeah, it's such a great point. And, you know, the reality is, and he even admits this, somebody could do exactly what that person did and get all of the information, all of the knowledge from Chris it may not be in the same order. It may not be as you may not need to hunt and find things and it may not have the same flavor as something that's a little bit more curated and specific on a topic. But let's go back though a little bit before, you know, we met him on clubhouse, you knew who he was, you followed him on YouTube. What did you think of him? Like, how did you first find him? What did you like about him? Absolutely. So for me, the way that I got to Chris Doe was through my my creative director, Danny. So Danny is the person who does all my creative for Master Talk. He picks my suit. He, you know, does my recordings, does all my lighting and edits everything A to Z. And he dresses you. And cuts my hair. He is the the legend, <laughs> the legend of legends. And he he owns the space too. His friend is the owner of the the space that we film in. So yes, very grateful for him. He's the one who told me about Christo many years ago. He said, you know, Brendan, when I was a creative and I was making these, I had a photography business when I was 16, I didn't really know what to do with it until I started watching the future videos. And now I have a whole business because of Chris. And the reason that's so important for people to understand is for the specific niche he's targeting creatives, these people have zero business knowledge in general. So going back to the point we talked about early around transformation, the transformation is much bigger. So let's say you take a business guy or gal who watches Grant Cardone. The transformation's there. It's a big, but it's not exponential unless you go to his seminars, you have one-on-one coaching with him. But with Chris Doe, you're literally taking someone from zero to 100, literally zero to 100, by taking the time through his videos to clearly, succinctly explain the zero to one. 
Mm. You know, that's an interesting point. And what I actually hadn't thought of, what I think I'm hearing you say is he's able to teach people who maybe within a certain demographic or audience sort of compartment, if you will, which is these are creative people. And it's, it's a very broad group. You know, they may be a designer, they may be a video person, they may be a photographer, they may be, you name it, they do something creative or they want to do something creative. And what I'm hearing you say is that by and large, creative people may lack some of the business skills, some of the operational skills, some of the foundational skills as a business owner to thrive. And some of his videos that do really well are like teaching people how to price their product so that they're not just trying to give everything away for free, that you should really stand behind your price and offer great value for what you're giving. And that's just one of many videos that help to provide some of those basic skills that aren't related to being creative as much as they are supporting creative people in an area where they need to be supported. Am I understanding you correctly? Absolutely. Like a good easy way of explaining this theory is people who follow Grant Cardone, you're usually taking them from 10 to 100 or 5 to 100. But in Chris Doe's community, in the business side anyways, you're taking people from 0 or 1 to 100. So the impact is monumental. That's one piece. The other piece is scarcity. If you're a creative looking for business knowledge, you pretty much only have Chris Doe. And because most of those people, when they're at zero, can't afford anybody for business coaching or anything like that, because they don't really have a business, they're just doing photos for friends. Like my creative director, that's literally what happened. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing there except for Chris Doe. It's like, so he becomes the savior for a lot of these creatives. And that's what explains a lot of his cult following. Mm. It's extreme generosity to a very specific audience that doesn't need his solution, desperately needs it. Mm. And that's really what he's doing for people. And that's why he has such a cult following, even if his following is a bit smaller than a lot of the other big dogs in the influencer space. So for somebody listening right now who's wondering, okay, what is the takeaway? What is the way in which I can learn from Chris and maybe apply some of those learnings into my own life? And I, what I heard is a few things stand out. The generosity piece is very, very huge. It's finding ways to teach people in areas that they actually desperately need the help. Not just they kind of need it, but they desperately need it. What else can you start to think about when we think about the Chris Doe story, we dissect how he's changing the world, but also how his example can help other people change the world. What are those takeaways? Absolutely. So let's break this down. What's the core thing? Because this is the result that we're talking about, what he's achieved, what he's done. What's the core? The core is simple. Number one, you need to have dinner with the first thousand people you're serving that you want to serve. It is obvious through the way that Christo shares information. It is obvious through the way that he gives those hard truths to his audience. Mm. And it is obvious through the cult following that this guy spends an unhealthy amount of time with his customers, with the people he wants to serve because he's genuine. And by genuine, I mean generous because all, most of his stuff is free. So what he does basically, and he still does this today, he's always asking his community, hey, what are you looking from me? What do you need? Our good friend Nidhi Tiwari was a guest speaker for one of Christo's masterminds. Why? 
because the people in the future group said, hey, we need mental health tips. So Chris Doe had the humility to go, okay, let me go ask somebody who knows something about this and bring them forward. That's just a miniature example. And, and the message I want people to get from this is don't lose sight of the customer. Don't lose sight of the person that you're trying to serve. And if I'd even push it further, going back to Kevin Kelly's amazing article, Thousand True Fans, Kevin Kelly argues that if you have a thousand people who absolutely love what you do and will do anything to be around you, to pay for your services, that's all you need to build a decent business, a super successful one. And Chris Doe is the best example of that. He's done it at scale, but at the beginning, it's, are you willing? Or rather, how far are you willing to go for those first thousand people? Mm. And I can guarantee you, Christo had dinners with many of them, and he still does to this day. And that's why he stays ahead of everyone else, because he just understands that community better than anyone could at a very, very large, wide gap. Like, it's not even competitive at this point. And that's really the takeaway for people. How far are you willing to go for the people you want to serve? Are you just commenting on their posts? Are you actually sending them a voice note? Are you trying to get on a Zoom call with them? Now that I'm studying LinkedIn, since we're doing a LinkedIn Live, a lot of people that are DMing me, half of them, whether they're ideal clients or not, I'm still going, hey, we'd love to just jump on a Zoom call with you. And it always surprises them because I want to get to know them. I want to understand this community. And Chris Doe probably does it 100 times better than B and you combined. It is a really interesting approach that he's taken. And I'm just looking at his website here because I was curious, like, what are the things that he's actually charging for? And I've looked before, but it's been a little while. It looks like there's three primary things. This is just talking about the future. He's got his agency blind, but then he's got a business boot camp. And the business boot camp will allow people to join. I'm just looking for the price if they have it here. And I, I don't see the price. He's got his pro group, which is $150 a month. Oh, here we go. Clicker to enroll membership for pro group is a, uh, you get that with the business boot camp, but I don't, I don't see the pricing here, but then for the business boot camp, or excuse me, for the pro group, it's $150 a month. And then he's got business strategy fundamentals which he, it's like 149 bucks. And then he's got a few other things that he does charge for that are courses and whatnot. But again, going back to the earlier point, you can get a lot of the knowledge and information by putting in the, the time and going through his YouTube channel because there's so much content there. So the only reason I bring that up is because I'm curious if we were to dissect and look at his business model, why do you think he chose that way? And do you think... Part of me wonders if he chose that way because he doesn't himself want to lose his soul. I know money, you know, it's a motivating factor or what have you, but I don't think it's the primary motivating factor. And clearly he could be charging tens of thousands of dollars. He could have a, a program where he charges 30, 40, $50,000, but it doesn't seem like he has that. So is it his personality? Is it, I mean, I, the first question I asked him was about his upbringing, about his being raised by immigrant parents and the values that that taught him. He's a middle child. And obviously there's a lot that goes into his upbringing and his origin story that's really interesting. And if you want to learn more about that, shameless plug, go check out the episode where I interviewed him on Inside Out. But the thing that fascinates me, and this is what I'm curious for you to, to really ponder on, is 
Why did he choose this approach? Do you think he's got any regrets for choosing the approach that he's taught? Because a lot of people, it's all about the money. Everything's geared towards the money. And I don't think that's the case with him. Absolutely. So one, everyone should definitely check out that interview. It's really solid. I can vouch for it. Listen to it. But the other piece is how did this all begin? I think for me, it starts with the mission. What is the guy's mission? The guy's mission is to impact a billion lives. And the only person similar to that, that we know very well, that we've talked about in previous shows is Mr. Lewis House whose vision is to impact 100 million lives a week. And we knew from Lewis's episode when we talked about his programs and services that Lewis had to discontinue his mastermind even if he was making so much money, we're talking in the seven-figure range, from it. Why? Because it was taking time away from the hundreds of millions of people he's supposed to serve. And even if you're charging 100 grand for this mastermind, you can make a lot more money but you'll never get to 100 million lives. It's just not possible. It's not scalable at that level. Or you have to build such a monumental business that it just becomes too stressful also. So when we bring it back to Chris Doe, I don't think he regrets it, Billy. But what I am saying is because his vision is actually 10 times bigger than Lewis's in an aggregate number, that means 99.999% of his model needs to be free so that he can scale to those people. Mr. Beast is a good example of that too, where he pretty much just sells merch, but all of his money just goes into making the YouTube channel bigger and bigger and bigger. But money is still an important piece of this equation. And there's definitely a lot of things that we need to be thinking about from a business model perspective that Christo can also ponder for himself. But I think some of the big pieces here for me is the idea that when you have a big mission, when you have a big vision, you start thinking a bit more broader. You see the level that nobody else is seeing. Because most people who are business coaches are just trying to get 10 clients and be done with it because their mission is not to help a billion people. But because Chris Doe's mission is to help you know, so many people, he needs to always operate with the focus of growing his future YouTube channel to 10 million subscribers. Mm. The last thing I'll say is in regards to his paid services. I definitely think there's opportunity there to really give a personalized experience to his top 10, his top 100 people in the community. Because as he gets to know them, similar to the recommendation I gave to Lewis, his episode that we did together, it helps you realize who's at the top and who can actually help fund some of the bigger projects and initiatives that you want to work on. But if you don't have a high-ticket program, that's in the multiple five figures, you won't actually know who has the financial resources to support you in a big way. Mm. Okay. So I totally connect with everything that you've just said. And I want to talk a little bit. I was looking at my notes as you were talking, because as you know, I do a lot of research before I interview someone and I want to find out as much as I can. I listen to interviews, I read their books and everything like that. And Yes, he's got this massive mission to teach a billion people. But the other thing that I uncovered is that he sees flaws in the traditional education system. For example, and this ties back to the earlier point, he feels that when he went to design school, he didn't learn anything about business. There were no business skills taught to him when he was learning how to be a designer. Okay, so... You know, he wanted to be a designer. He had his heart set on that and he, he went out and he did that. But he feels that in a, in a lot of regards, we should look at abandoning the current education system. And what he's really offering with the future is a new path 
a new way for people to not only get the design chops, because he does do videos that help people with logos and all sorts of things, but he also does the the business skills, which you already touched on. So I'm curious what your perspective is in terms of how he's thinking about the future and the makeup of what he's teaching and recognizing that there is going to be a need for business skills, but then there's all the other things. How do you think he's thinking about what he's putting out content wise? Mm, Good point. So the way that I think about, you know, going back to the mission, right? Helping people do what they love and getting paid to do it. While not losing their soul. Without losing their soul. Thank you. Right. The other piece. So let's break down that vision into three categories. One is finding something that you love. So 33% of his content or more should be focused on that idea. How do you find what you love? So let's say I'm Chris Doe's number one fan. I go up to Chris. How do I find what I love, Chris? I don't know. What do I love? What is my passion? So a lot of his content is geared around that. Part two, getting paid for what you love. That This goes back to a concept he took from somebody else called Ikigai, which is the combination of your passions and what you can actually get paid to do. That is kind of, it's a Japanese concept that I'm sure you are familiar with as well, right? Ikigai. And how do we expand on those ideas further? What are some other thought leaders, frameworks, ideas that we can find on merging our passions with what we can get paid for? That's part one. The other part within the paid side is business coaches, mentors, like Blair Enns is one of his big mentors who comes on the show a lot to really give those cold, hard truths about how to scale a business. So that's part two. He's always looking for more mentors in that space. And part three is them not losing their soul. So how do you build a business in a way that's authentic to you, in a way that you enjoy, and in a way that doesn't make you feel salesy. So this brings us back to the value-based pricing approach, right? Adding more value for the money that we charge. That's why Chris Doe probably doesn't feel bad. He should probably be charging a lot more, but he probably doesn't feel bad about charging for his boot camps, for his future groups. Why? Because 99% of his information is free anyways, right? So that's the key. So for me, my interpretation of your question is where do I think Chris is going? I think Chris is going to keep doing the same thing, but being the entrepreneur that he is, and we can break down a quick story for that for people so people can understand the context, is he's going to keep looking at new trends and seeing how do those three frameworks, how do those three pillars apply to the next thing? Mm -hmm. And a recent example of that was YouTube Shorts. He was always against short-form content, and he said this multiple times. Ah, I don't like short-form content. It's not the way to teach people. But he learned that, hey, wait a second, a lot more people are spending more time on average on TikTok for video content than YouTube. It's a mind-blowing statistic. just came out a few months ago. So that leads to the conclusion that, hey, it doesn't really matter what you think. Follow the data, right? And that's what Chris is a master at. Once he knows what the truth is, he doesn't deny it. Mm. So he started making YouTube shorts. And obviously, three or four of those YouTube shorts are the most popular videos. One of them has 24 million views. And there's the rest of the story. So this is what I'm thinking for him, Billy, is I don't think he's going to go out there and try and destroy the education system because he's smarter than that. He knows it's too regulated. It's too bureaucratic. I think what he's doing is going back to those three pillars, more content on what you love, more or finding what you love, 
more content how do you get paid to do with your love and how do you do it in a way that you don't lose your soul depending on where the trends are moving and how things are going yeah i'm really glad you brought up trends because one of the things that i asked him about was hey you have a successful digital advertising digital advertising agency that's been in business 23 years and that's really unheard of most companies end up failing and especially in light of the industry that he's in, where it's evolved so much over the last two decades, how did he survive? And the way in which he survived was being in tune with what is happening. Because most people, and he talks about this in my interview, most people are so married to what is currently, and they're so afraid of change. They're so resistant to change. They're not nimble enough to make the necessary adjustments to pivot and sometimes make a hard pivot when necessary an uncomfortable pivot. And so part of the reason his company has been so successful is the ability to pivot. I think that's a really important insight and factor that I attribute his company having the long-term success that they've had is that's one of the reasons. And so the other thing that's interesting is with his design agency, he's not afraid to charge what he believes and knows his team is worth for their output. And ironically, and somewhat interestingly, for the future, it's a little bit different. And partially because, to your point, the breadth of the volume of people that he wants to reach with the future is, you can't even compare the two. It's the orders of, you know, magnitude more, right? You have onesies and twosies and client, you know, client-based business, a service-based business versus you're now teaching thousands and thousands and hopefully millions and, and at one point billion people you're teaching. So I think those are the, the nuances between why he's done what he's done with the future, which is his the organization that helps creatives versus blind, which is the design and, and advertising agency. So I only say that in recognizing that for anyone listening or watching right now, think about what your end goal is. And based upon your end goal, that will help to define the model that will work best to achieve that goal. What are your thoughts on that? And, and I'm glad you threw me that because you're absolutely right, man. This is probably the most important thing that we can ever say on any of these lives. And it's the following. People lose because their end state isn't specific enough. When your end state isn't specific enough, it's not motivating it's unclear, it's confusing, and if you don't know what the end game is, you don't really know where you're going. And does that mean you need to have a 15-year plan? No, absolutely not. What it does mean is you need to be clear on what the next step is in detailed fashion. So most people might say something along the lines of, you know, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to create content, Billy. And then we ask them, why? Why, Billy? Why do you want to create content? Oh, you know, because it's like a lot of people are creating content. Most people operate in this way. They're very reactionary. Whereas somebody like Chris Doe is saying something like, okay, wait a second. The end goal is to help a billion lives, helping them do what they love, getting paid to do it without losing their soul. So from that end game, it's very specific, right? We know the number. We know who they're trying to serve, what they're trying to do, what impact they're trying to create. 
So it's much easier to reverse engineer that. So regardless of his earlier videos, because it took him seven years to get to a million, something like that, on YouTube, regardless of how many views they're getting, whether it's 10 views or 10,000, the focus is the same. It's, hey, wait a second, we want to help a billion people and we're helping 10 right now. So we're going to help another 10, another 10. And that's the piece I really want people to get from Christo's story, which is how specific he is about what he wants in life. So one thing I encourage all of you to do is to make a list of all your goals. Go ahead. Make that list. Take that time. I would even do it right now as you're listening to this kid and Billy here. (laughs) Make that list of all your goals. And then ask yourself a very difficult question. If you could only have five of those goals, what would you pick? And then out of those five goals, how would you rank them in order of sequence? I got this from Patrick Bit David. What is the order and how you're supposed to achieve those goals? That exercise alone will put you ahead of 95% of human beings because most people don't prioritize their goals and most people don't sequence their goals. And that's how you understand the journey, where you want to go. And that's probably the biggest insight we can get from Christo. Mm, Yeah, powerful, man. And so, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to make sure we cover a few pieces that are really, really foundational and tether on what you just said. So knowing that end goal and being so crystal clear on what the end goal does really direct his actions and what he chooses to do and how he chooses to show up. And here's a few things that he highlights that I learned from him is one is the audience is more important than the customers. The audience is more important than the customers. And what does he mean by that? Well, what he means is you are able through an audience to have such a greater impact. When you think about it from a perspective of networking is who you know, but influence is who knows you. And I'm just reading my notes here because I was really taken by that thought. Networking is who you know, but influence is who knows you. When you have an audience, you're building a community of people who know who you are. And it's impossible for Chris to know everyone in his audience. As great and as generous as he is, he's only human. There's only one. And so he has to choose who he's able to really truly know. And on the other hand, people who know him, it's unlimited. There's literally no limit. It could be millions. It could be billions of people know him. And so that's a really, really interesting and powerful insight. And so the other insight that I think is really interesting, and he believes one of the cornerstones of what he does is he wants to out teach the competition. And I think that's a really, really cool way of thinking about it. Out teach the competition. And this could be applied. I don't care what type of business you are. I'll give you a great example. Buzzsprout, who's my podcast host, or they, they, I still host some of my podcasts with them. I, I also use Megaphone. But one of the things that Buzzsprout does really, really well is they are great at teaching. Even though that's not their business model to teach and make money off their teaching, but because they're great teachers teaching people how to market their podcast, promote their podcast, how to edit their podcast, how to find great, like you name it. I guarantee you, if you type something about podcasting and you look, one of the first 10 results will almost always be something from Buzzsprout. 
And so this is an example of how out teaching the competition will help to yield results. So I want to stop there and see if, if those two insights speak to you. If there's, if there's any others that stand out that we haven't yet covered before we wrap up. Yeah, I think for me, you know, to your point, a good way of summarizing it that we had, we talked about before we even went live is this idea that I think Chris Doe in many ways is kind of like the Robin Hood of creativity where he has all this information that's been gated for years that is sold for thousands of dollars to people who can't afford them. There's kind of like a, a room of rich people laughing. It's kind of like a great, like funny theatrical moment. And Chris Doe, in many ways, is the savior. He's the superhero. He's the person who has the courage to say, wait a second, let me go into these circles. Let me learn from all of these really smart, really wealthy individuals. Let me take all that information while they're not looking, make a <laughs> run for it, and teach it all for free and unlock the whole thing. It's kind of like a bank where you kind of open the door and say, go run, go take the money. And this is kind of, not really, this is kind of not the same analogy, but you get the idea. It's that this case, the bank is not money. It's a knowledge bank. It's a bank of knowledge. The knowledge that all of these creatives desperately need to actually make money themselves and make a living doing what they love without losing their soul. Mm. And that's what Christo is. He's a symbol of what it means to unlock the potential of other human beings. So that's how I interpret out-teacher competitors. I'd even take it beyond that in a way Christo doesn't even talk about, which is open the floodgates. Open the floodgates of possibility, open the floodgates of creativity, and open the gateway of possibility for the people who couldn't afford him or can't afford these types of services, and imagine the creativity that they can bring. And I think Chris needs to do a better job at painting that vision in his videos. So I'll give you an example of that. Imagine if a billion people could actually do this. And this is something we should ask him. We can ask him to close his eyes and say, I want you to picture your vision coming true. A billion people today make a living doing what they love and get paid to do it without losing their souls. Mm. What does that world look like for you? What does it feel like? What's happening? Talk to us about that world. Describe it in details. What's happening? So Chris might say something like, well, all of these amazing ideas now get your go push it, push it more, push it more. I would really have him paint that picture for us. That's the magic that I feel Christo needs to do more of to get us more excited about his vision. But above all, he's not just out teaching the competition. He's out serving them too. Yes, he is. Okay, so... As much as I want to leave on that mic drop moment, there are a couple other final things and then we'll wrap up for this session. I love talking about people that I admire and respect and Chris definitely fits the bill. And the nice thing is that we can actually have a conversation with him after this and let him know that this exists. Hopefully he watches it at one point, but even if he doesn't, I strongly believe that he is creating a model for anyone who is looking to influence others in a meaningful way. And by influence, I mean, make an impact. He's a great model to follow. So the second to last thing that I want to ask, and the last thing is more about the it factor, which we'll get into in a moment. 
He believes in being a specialist, not a generalist. And much like a doctor, you'd, you'd want to see a specialist as opposed to a generalist. If you have something very specific, you need help with. But yet you should be externally a specialist and internally be a generalist. And I think what he means, and I'm curious your perspective, is you should always be hungry. You should always be expanding your knowledge. You should always be growing as wide as you can your knowledge base, not singularly focused on one thing, which is your specialty, but actually having a very deep bed of knowledge that is not specific to one area of expertise. But from an optic standpoint, from a outward standpoint, how you're perceived is that you are a specialist in something very specific. You're an example. You're a specialist in communication. I'm an example. I'm a specialist in podcasting. And so what I would say is what, what do you get from that? Again, be an externally, be a specialist internally, be a generalist. Absolutely. So the way I see this is super simple, Billy. By being externally specialized or showing that specialization externally, what he means is more from a business perspective, but also from a positioning perspective. So when you think of creativity in business, you think immediately of Christo. When you think of getting paid to do what you love in the creative space, you think of Christo. So he wants that positioning clear externally so people know who to find, who to look for, or else he's going to get lost in the sea of people. And he knows that really well. But here's the other piece about being a generalist internally. That means being willing to learn from as many sources as possible to feed the specialization. Mm. And the more general we become, the more generalized we become with our knowledge, the easier it is for us to funnel that generalization or that generalized knowledge into our specialization. Let me give you a concrete example of this and how I apply this with MasterTalk. I have pretty conventional videos, right? You know, how do you manage vocal tones? How do you speak clearly? Normal stuff like any other speech coach would have. But I also got weird, funky videos. Videos like the three lessons I learned from rappers that apply to any presentations. Videos where I switch languages like, so, nasio, genki desu ka, right? Like Japanese, or, hola, como estas? Or, buongiorno, como estai? Molto bene, Eli. That was Italian, Spanish, and Japanese, right? So I'm very bizarre in that way. So I'm always trying to learn from all of these different things. Why? Because I want to feed my specialization. If I just study my specialization, this is how much I can contribute to the world. Knowledge that already exists. But if I make it a point to go visit Billy, to go do some crazy things with them, to go read some books that I wouldn't read, to go learn from different industries that have nothing to do with my specialization, it makes my specialization even stronger in the same way that Seth Godin is willing to question everything from weddings to gatherings to everything. And that ultimately feeds his point of view about how marketing is all about culture and how marketing is all about creating something that serves other people rather than trying to get something out of them. It's, you just reminded me that we already talked about Seth, but I think we needed a whole, a whole nother session just about Seth. Spend the whole day talking about Seth. Yeah, I know. You could talk about him forever. We have talked about him, but I think we need to do more. Okay, so last question, and I would love it if we can really think about this from a perspective of we've shared a lot 
And I'm sure there's going to be some things that could come to mind that we've already shared based on this question that would apply. But like part of me wonders, what is the it factor? When I say that, what I mean is there's lots of people who have had YouTube channels for seven years and they don't reach a million followers. There's lots of people who have had successful businesses who then try to share their knowledge, but people don't respond. They don't listen. So, you know, of course, again, we said so much, so it's going to be hard to find something new, but what are, hopefully we get a couple new nuggets, but if not, what are some of the things that stand out the most when you think about, okay, here's the guy who people listen to. Is it his approach? Is it his directness? Is it his style? Like, is it his just sheer knowledge, brains? Like, what is it, do you think? And again, I've just named a few, but like, what is it that stands out that makes him special and unique in a way that thousands and thousands, millions of people want to see and hear what he's going to say? I'm glad you gave me enough time to think about that, by the way. Good good on you. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, and I'm glad you gave me that time because I have the answer. I think the it factor is that roll, he is, is he's one of the <laughs> only influencers in the space. One of the only ones. I think he's the only one who intentionally makes decisions that handicaps him in service of his audience. So I'll repeat that again. He intentionally makes decisions that handicaps him, but serves the audience in service of his audience. So what do I mean by that? There's a lot of decisions Christo has made through my interactions and your interactions with me that I honestly don't think really make sense. Not because Christo is a bad guy, not because Christo is not doing incredible work. Christo is obviously one of the most respected people in the industry. There's no denying why he really is the best in what he does. But he makes decisions that really doesn't help him. And that's the it factor. What do I mean by that? One, mm. being on Clubhouse, I don't care what he says. Doesn't make sense. He was right on all the other things. Okay, he really was. Okay, the TV commercial, blind, stellar, stellar performance. I know he's wrong on Clubhouse. I know it. It doesn't make sense. Because me and you have spent way more hours than Doe has on the app. I know it doesn't make sense. But... The reason it makes sense to him, and only him, because I don't know a single YouTuber has more than a million subs who spends the time that he does on Clubhouse. He's the only one. But I know a single other person. Why? Because gives him an opportunity to talk to his audience in a way that's scalable. Number two, during those conversations, he's not just giving high-level advice and little pointers and like, oh, you should do this. And uh, Billy, you should do that and move on to the next person to get through it. No, no, no. He's literally sitting there for 15 minutes and going through your entire business, pointing out all the holes in your business better than the business coach you're paying money for and wants to make sure that you're supported to get there. So he creates a $150 a month program. He sets you up to accountability, buddy. He really wants you to win. Once again, not smart. Right? Why would you do that? You could charge thousands of dollars an hour for your time at this point. That's the level he's at now. Yet he still makes decisions where he's like, yeah, I'll just spend 15 minutes per person in a clubhouse room and help them out. Even if they'll do nothing for me, they'll never buy a service for me. Doesn't make sense at all. Number three, let me go ahead and create all the content possible in the future. Oh yeah, I just made an hour and a half course 
instead of cutting it up in seven or nine different clips so I can have nine weeks of content on YouTube, which is a smart thing to do, that's what I do, right? What does he do? He says, you know what? The best way to serve this audience is probably just to post the whole thing up. The reason, the it factor for Christo is that he makes decisions that intentionally handicaps himself and his growth in service of his audience. That's the it factor. Well, one of the first things that you said there that really hit me is this, he makes these decisions for the good of his audience as opposed to for the good of him. And what I think that tells his audience is they can trust him. And because most people have huge walls up, they are aware of the fact that they're being sold. Every turn they make, everywhere they go, someone is trying to get money from them. And I never feel that from Chris. I Exactly. I never feel like Chris is angling for me or for anyone for that matter to get into his pro group or to take his courses. They're there if you want them and he'll let you know how to find them, but it never feels heavy handed. It never feels sleazy, salesy or any of that, which is really interesting because he teaches sales and, and not that he should teach sleazy sales, but he, te he teaches sales from a creator design standpoint, business standpoint. And I think he, he it's almost like he's allergic to the, what would I call, I hate saying traditional sales, but what we commonly think of sales and especially sales that feels gross. And that's where the soul part comes in. So he's modeling effectively how to do what he wants others to do by, by doing it himself. And so I think that's a really important point. Okay, I said that was my last question, but there's one last final thing that I can't resist asking. And let me push on this before we get to the question. Literally, yeah. Billy, I really want people to understand this, is if Chris Doe literally just did, because you know what I was saying before, I think he's one of the only one. I like added that layer. To be honest, I really think he's the only one because the closest person to him, when I was thinking about it in my head, was Gary Vaynerchuk. But even despite how much Gary V gives, and he gives, okay, I really want to make sure that's clear. He gives way more than he takes. He still takes. And it's obvious in his messaging. Hey, you should get my book. Hey, you should get my book. Hey, you should get my book. Hey, you got to buy my wine. Did you buy my wine yet? Did you buy my wine? Have you signed up for VaynerMedia yet? There's a lot of services. V friends, V friends, V friends, right? So even Gary V, he's probably the most generous guy besides Christo that I could think of, but he's still selling. And I have full respect for that. He should be. I think Gary Vee should be selling. And if I'm being perfectly honest, if Chris Doe did exactly what Gary Vee did, I can pretty much swear in blood that he'd be doing $10 million a year right now. Yeah. So this is a great segue to my question, actually, because my question is, Chris Doe comes to you and says, Brendan, I really admire the way you think about things. I really respect your ability, despite, you know, you're a young guy, despite not having... 30 years in business or any of that, your instincts are on point and you have a really fresh perspective and it, I believe a highly thoughtful way of looking and observing others and therefore understanding others in a way that very few people have. And as a result, I would love it if you could give me your thoughts on what you're seeing from, you know, from the future or anything that I'm doing 
what would be a few levers that you think I could pull to help me reach my goal and propel my business forward? What would you tell him? If you had five minutes to share a couple key ways that you believe he could accelerate what he's doing. Absolutely. Let's name it the big three. Okay. The, the big three. Let's go. What are your big three? And maybe we could make this a, a theme. What are your big three for Christo? Maybe we can, right? Like three truths. Number one, get very, very clear and detailed about what the end vision is and communicate it more frequently back to your audience. Even as someone who has followed Christo for many, many years, I still don't really know what he's trying to achieve by having that billion dollar mark there. You mean billion people? Billion people, exactly. Right, the billion dollar mark, getting this to a billion people. He doesn't help us imagine the world enough. He doesn't add enough details. And by adding mm. those details and communicating those details back to his audience, he's actually going to get to the goal much faster in the same way a good friend of yours, Elon Musk, has done that so well. He's so good at communicating a vision over and over again that he's literally built nine-figure billion-dollar companies with almost zero marketing spend, right? Mm. And painting a picture. He needs to he needs to be able to make the vision more clear, believable, and digestible to the audience. Not just have it be a, a simple tagline, but actually make it as real as possible. Is that what you mean? Yes, and let me add it more tactically. Literally, if I was Christo right now, and I was taking my own advice, I would literally take a week off work, everything, and just sit there with my team and etch this out and just dream. What does that world look like? What do the girls feel like? What are those boys in high schools thinking? What are they going through? Like, Go through the whole persona map, but in that world, in that end state where one out of seven people are getting paid to do what they love. What does that world look like? Like, actually, I did that with Master Talk, by the way. That's why I'm I'm teaching what I'm preaching here, right? I did that. That's why I'm super ridiculously crazy, right? So I want him to do that because he's going to do it way better than me and you can. But he's not putting in the time. And I think being too busy for that big vision is not going to help us get to the vision. So that's number one. Number two is leveling up your communication skills so that you can fit that future version of who you're going to be. There's a great uh, story I can tell you that I've never shared before with you. One of my favorite shows of all time is a show called Death Note. Okay? And Death <laughs> Note tells the story of a kid named Light Yagami. And he uses this book, this book, where he write, wherever you write somebody's name in this Death Note, that person dies. So his vision for the world in the show Death Note, and I've watched it like four times, it's so amazing, is he was trying to create a world where there was no bad people. So he literally tried to kill every criminal in the world. And the reason I mentioned that is because Light didn't just have a compelling end state for what he wanted. And compelling is controversial, right? Just take my word for it. Let's just say it's compelling in his eyes. He's not just compelling. He's also being the communicator and embodying that person as if the dream has already been realized. So how are we showing up? in that new world. In his game, in Light's case, he has a god complex. So he said he was going to be the god of that new world. And as the god of that new world, he always believed he was from the beginning. I don't think that necessarily applies to us, though, but it's just a good analogy to think about this. For us, it's not necessarily a god complex, but rather asking ourselves and being very clear, and communication plays a big part in that, in what is our role in that society? 
In a world where a billion people, where we've enabled a billion people to get paid doing what we love, what now? What is my role now as Christo? Getting really clear about that also helps us get to the end state a lot faster, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does, yes. Cool. Awesome. So getting clear about the end state and also who are we as the leader of that vision? Getting really clear about that. And then, and I can tell you offline what my version of that is, but let's keep the focus on Christo. And then number three, okay, let's just recap. Number one, spending that week getting really clear, super, super clear about what the vision is, what that world looks like in dreaming about those different characters and people. Number two is figuring out what is our role in that new world, getting really clear as if the goal has already been realized. That will make it much easier and hold us more accountable to that billion people mark. And it will help to inform the decisions he makes today to become that person, right? You can't just, you don't overnight become that person. It's an evolution, but you have to proactively do the things today that you want to be reality tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, it could be five years. And I think this applies to anyone, right? Get really, really clear on what the big vision is. Make sure that it's you could taste it. You could feel it. It's, it's like a simulation. You're, it's like you're there. You have to visualize it so purely, deeply, and clearly that it almost feels real. And you need to be great at communicating that vision to others, which is a perfect segue into your part two, which is you need to be a badass when it comes to communicating this. And the general person who you are, a big part of that is is how you communicate that, how you show up, which is why communication is, is the area that you focus on. So then what's number three? Right. And going back to that piece, right, going back to Elon as a quick example, just so people kind of an analogy. When Elon first read Asimov's novel, science fiction novels, it's like when Asimov is one of the, the top science fiction novels of our time, kind of like Stephen King, but for sci-fi, he made the decision at the age of 12, 11, 12-ish, that he wanted to go to Mars. So that decision was already made. So whenever we're looking at Elon, like the average Joe who's looking at Elon, or the average human being, we're looking at that person going, how is he able to run a car company, run a rocket ship company, put a car on the rocket, fly the rocket, <laughs> do Neuralink, does it make sense? But to him, it makes perfect sense. That's the equation most people don't consider. To him, that makes perfect sense because he already made the decision to be that person when he was 12. So when he was thinking about what he wanted to do, he kind of looked at the world and said, well, I need a lot of money to build a rocket. So let me build a company called Zip2 because I'm seeing financial business going, boom, sell Zip2 to Compact. Okay, let's go into PayPal. I think there's going to be an opportunity here to decentralize money. Meets Peter Thiel, sells PayPal, gets a huge equity stake from eBay. Boom, takes the whole all of it, and goes, you know what? Might as well put, mm, this makes sense. Let's put 25% in Tesla, 75% in SpaceX, and figure it out. Like, it was very clear from him since the get-go. Not that he was going to start all those companies, but that he wanted to go to Mars. That part was clear. So understanding what your role is in that game is going to help you a lot. Mm. Number three, learn from marketers who are just better than you and admit it. At the end of the day, if people who are sleazier than us are beating us, there's still something we can learn from them. I don't care if you're a snake oil salesman, 
You could be the worst human being on earth. If you're doing better than me financially, there's something I can learn from you. Does it mean I need to sell my soul? Absolutely not. But it does mean having the humility to take a, a look, investing money into people who are doing 10 million. This is million. so good. People this are, is so good. Thank you. People <laughs> this is who, so good. Well, well, you never interrupt me, so it must be really good. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the reason why it's so good is because I do believe it's great advice. And I believe that if he were to be, because I identify with him, I am resistant to doing what I would call the marketing sales tactics that are so obvious and so cliche and so overdone and all of those things. But, and I want you to t say your point, but, but I've already gotten this from what you've said. You don't need to do it all. You don't need to take everything. You just need to figure out what the good parts are. So that's why I interrupted you because it's that damn good. I appreciate it. And it's, it's so true, right? And, and I'm not here to say that I don't apply this too. That was a hard truth for me to swallow because I was making videos for free for two and a half years. I was pretty much coaching everyone for free and helping people and I wasn't making any money. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to keep doing this for free and keep stay at my corporate job? Or do I figure out a way to build a business out of this? And there was one thing when I told myself the truth, and that truth was simple. And then we'll move it back to Christo. The truth is, my delivery was great, but I wasn't good at sales and marketing. And the people in my coaching programs that I'm invested in, who are doing a million bucks a year, who are doing 10 million bucks a year, they're better marketers than I am. So it's about having the humility to sit down, listening to them talk, and go, okay, what can I learn from a marketing perspective here? And Christo needs to do the same thing with the people above his pay grade. Mm. He needs to look at the eight-figure, the nine-figure business owners and say, what are these individuals doing from a marketing perspective only, not delivery, just marketing perspective that I can learn from and that I'm not applying in my business? And from that, having the humility to say, I need to learn something from these sleaze bags, whatever you want to call them. You can call them dirt bags, sleaze bags. I don't think they're that bad. I know a lot of people who do that, those numbers who are great, who are great human beings. But I think it's just about taking a step back and saying, okay, if our goal is to grow the business, let's look at these eight figure business owners and see what they can learn. And I personally did that. I took a bite and now my business does way better. So that's the key. Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it. And there was so much here. I hope that for those who were able to be a part of this, either on the live recording or listening to the, the replay or the podcast that you got some valuable insights that you can actually apply into your own life. I think there's no shortage of great ways in which Chris has built the the fan base that he's built, the following that he's built. And I'm just grateful to know him. And I'm grateful that, that he exists and that he's able to provide a roadmap for anyone that feels like they want to support and help other people, that he's giving us that roadmap and teaching us the step-by-step -step approach that helped him be successful as a businessman with his company, that helped him to be successful on YouTube and in social media and as a creator and now be successful as somebody who's teaching people. So if you did get value, please let us know, send us a DM, let us know what, what the biggest takeaway. If you haven't yet checked out Brendan's 
YouTube channel, go subscribe. It's Master Talk. If you are a podcaster or if you want to be a podcaster, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My company, Podify, helps podcasters launch their podcast or help existing podcasters with all of the heavy load that goes into creating a podcast from editing to video to web development, you name it, we do it all. And the last thing I'll say is I'm excited to do a convo on Seth Godin, another one. And then we have not yet really done a deep dive on Elon. I think that might be a two or three part session. So that will be in the future. That needs to be one soon. Yeah. And then I know we have a few others in mind. So we are here most weekdays around eight o'clock Pacific, 11 Eastern. So you got to be kind of a night owl like us to join live, but you could always watch the replay if you like this. And hopefully you did. And without any more wait, I want to say thank you. And I wish you all an amazing evening until next time. Make it a great one. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.